AI in Action is brought to you by Aulis International, covering your business's staffing, consulting, and networking needs. Our host brings you the leading minds in AI, sharing their story, their success, and their advice. Focusing on fast-tracking you to the top, AI in Action cuts through the hype to help you kickstart your data science career. To listen to the latest AI in Action podcast, head over to www.aldis.com forward slash podcast, or subscribe via iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Podcasts. You're listening to AI in Action. I'm your host, JP Valentine. Our guest today is Anthony Capone. Anthony is the president and former CTO of Ambulance. Anthony, welcome to the show. Thank you. Anthony, before talking about Ambulance, let's start with yourself. Can you give us a a brief background of, of your journey in technology, where you got started, some of the roles you've held along the way prior to uh, Ambulance? It's a long, a long journey, I guess. Started young, I think uh, 12, right before my 13th birthday, is when my uh, parents were fortunate enough to get a coworker of theirs to, to tutor me, to t- tutor me on cold fusion and CFML. And uh, after I learned a little CFML, which is a, for sure a little bit of a dead language now, uh, progressed and started building uh, applications when I was 14, kind of for hire, little things here and there. National Independent Association of Lighting Distributors is my first account. I remember getting my first $1,000 paycheck uh, like it was yesterday and um, kept coding all the way up until, you know, through, through high school into, um, into university and went to school, my undergrad for, for computer science and then graduate degree in uh, computational learning theory. It's like a, a subset of AI. And uh, since then, just been, you know, worked for a decade as a, as a developer, you know, worked coding uh, various different applications, everything from education software um, to, to financial software, and uh, now kind of landed at, at Ambulance. I've been fortunate to be part of a number of startups. Uh, Ambulance, I guess, would be number five would be the fifth one hopefully the fifth successful we'll we'll see things seem to be going well um and uh, i think there's a, a bit of a, an addiction to fit, figuring out how you can apply technology software um ai in some cases not all cases that i've done but in, in some cases ai to a problem at its inception so, you know, understanding right at the beginning where the solution needs to occur and then working on that as opposed to, say, joining a larger company, which is maybe refining a solution or expanding a solution. I think maybe I've been a little bit addicted to the adrenaline that comes from the initial, the initial foray and the risk associated. Thank you for that, Anthony. Really appreciate you talking us, talking us through your own journey and background and, and highlighting your you, you call it an addiction, but your specialty in, in tech startups and obviously a very successful uh, path in that. Talk to us about Ambulance. Where, where did uh, Ambulance first come on your radar and the origins behind the organization and then how you ended up working there? Ambulance started about, we're almost five years old, about four and a half years old, started by uh, two individuals. One of them is Stan Vershawski, who's also our CEO. He's been a volunteer paramedic for over 25 years and a serial successful entrepreneur in the healthcare space. I got connected with, 
with Stan uh, and his partner, and you know that they understood. So on one side, you know, his partner, you know, lives on the uh, the nursing home side, and Stan had lived on the front lines of the EMS side as a paramedic, and they both saw how the emergency medical services, the ambulance space, was a lose 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 situation, and so they saw that it was a it didn't work for the people that were working on the front lines, the EMTs and paramedics. They were paid way low wage, minimum wage, and worked extremely hard. It didn't work for the patients because they were getting poor care um, because the uh, EMTs were poorly paid. And the companies, it was a loss because they were not uh, making any money. Uh, there's no margin in the game. There's no, simply no margin because reimbursement rates are extremely low. And so you had to lose, lose, lose. And that in the end of the day, the, the healthcare facilities, uh, they get the short end of the stick as well because they can't get their patients moved or because they get poor service. And uh, they saw that from both sides and they said, okay, well, how can we solve this? And uh, they said, well, technology could really improve this because every one of those points could get fixed by an, uh, an incremental um, improvement in efficiency. So if you could get people more efficiently routed and patients moved, it would result in more money for the company, which means the company can then pay more money to its staff. And the, the facilities can then move people uh, at a more efficient rate and get more reliable transportation. And the, um, the patients, as a result, they get moved timely and because they're working with employees, EMTs and paramedics that are being paid a fair wage, they uh, have a much better experience. So they looked at it and said technology can truly improve this, uh, this problem, truly, truly fix this problem. And that was the theory. And then I kind of joined as the, the chief technology officer to take that vision and to kind of turn it into a reality. So hearing you explain it like that, when you've got a, a situation where it's a lose, 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 and through technology, you can create a win-win-win, it's clearly something that makes sense. How have you gone about doing that? Where does, where does technology fit to make such a drastic change, whether it's on the analytics side, machine learning algorithms? How, how have you gone about implementing that? And can you give us some insight into some of the successes and impact that it's had for your, your client base? Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, at the core of what we do is the traveling salesman problem, which, you know, for everyone in computer science is well aware, it's a resource allocation problem, which is, you know, it's NP hard and it's, it's non-solvable in probabilistic time. And, and that is a, uh, a fundamental constraint. How do I take the ambulances and the personnel that I have and how do I allocate them to all of the patients and the needs of the patients in the hospitals and the nursing homes? How do I allocate those in the most efficient way possible such that I am on time, but I'm also not having tons of idle time, which means the company is losing money. How do I balance those two constraints? And what, what that comes down to is how accurately can you assess the time duration segments of the transport? A transport makes up where you know somebody, they, they drive to pick up the patient. There's a time where they are going up to pick up the patient, time where they are doing the transfer of care, taking the patient to the destination and transferring the care back to the, the you know, receiving facility. Every single one of those segments and then the driving times in between transportations 
those ones all need to be accurately estimated. That is a wonderful, anytime you use the word estimation, that's a perfect use of artificial intelligence in, in, in machine learning in order to come up with that estimate. The beauty here is that this estimate directly correlates to how well a human being is gonna receive care. It's not an estimate that is theoretical, it's not, or it's not an estimate that is for something that is, is you know, gonna be realized years and years in the future. It's gonna be realized in that moment. But in order for us to come up with that accurate estimation of how long it's gonna take a transport to occur so that we can schedule a following transport or that we can get a crew back at the end of their shift so they can go home and see their family and they're not held over at the end of shift for two hours. In order for us to accurately estimate those, it has tons of variables that are put into the weighted algorithm. And that weighted algorithm is continually shifting and it's very, very dynamic because every single thing can be a component of it. Not only the type of service that's being provided and the distance, but everything is granular as to which floor you're going to because at which floor and which facility because different facilities, the elevator takes longer and it takes shorter. In different facilities, the patient's more likely to be ready because the paperwork was done or the paperwork was not done upon arrival of our, our crew. Some crews themselves move faster and some move slower. And so you need to factor that into your equation. All of these factors, whether it's the time of day, whether it is a, 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 a nonlinear statistical relevance to a, approximating what you've recently seen as far, far as time goes for the transports that just recently happened. So weighting things that maybe happened, other transports that happened at the same facility three hours ago, maybe much, much heavier than something that happened three days ago because there is an ebb and a flow to the census at a hospital. All of that constantly getting factored in, constantly taking into account dynamic traffic data, constantly taking into account ever-changing needs of our, our patients and, and the hospitals that are there, and factoring that in with the incredible amount of possibility that can occur, whether you're on a ventilator or a CPAP, whether you're, when you're doing the transfer of care, you have to move their IV fluids over. All of that, taking that all into account to come up with that accurate estimation Getting that accurate estimation allows for us to stack, as we call it, to place the transports side by side in a way by which we can have a high confidence that we will be there on time, but that there will be a low amount of idle time. And that is what results in a win-win-win. It's a very, very simple, in theory, application for artificial intelligence that under the hood is extremely complicated in order to achieve a high degree of accuracy. But the problem that you're solving, which is how long will the ambulance transport take? It's relatively simple to say. That is how I think uh, we have been able to continue to advance is because we break the problems down that AI applies to in the most simplest form possible. You know, what is the one true outcome that we are attempting to achieve and then work towards that, as opposed to just building a, an AI system that just takes in tons of data and may or may not be potentially helpful um, in regards to uh, you know kind of data science. Start with the problem and work back from there. It's it's so helpful to hear you take such a complex algorithmic problem but break it down in, into such simple terms of what is the problem at its core and work backwards from from solving that problem which is clearly why you've been so successful not just with previous organizations but now with Amelens. 
Can you give us some insight into what the journey has been like from taking the concept to now building a several hundred person organization um, from, again, from architecture and design into implementation? What has that been like? What have been the, the, the biggest challenges you face and what has been the most enjoyable part thus far? It has been a, a, a journey with many obstacles. Um, I would say that we definitely were not good at this in the beginning. I'm not saying that we're great at it now, uh, but we certainly were not when we started. Uh, we learned a lot. We really, really learned a lot. It's really, really complicated problem because you, know, you could look at like a normal transportation services, like a ride sharing application, and that's really simple, relatively speaking. You know, you're just picking up point A to point B. You have maybe one or two, three options for levels of service. And at the end of the day, if you screw up and they're late, you get a low review. You know, we've got, you know, hundreds of permutations of different equipment and medications and levels of service and county restrictions and geographic, geographic boundaries that aren't even based on counties that are maybe a part of a city. And all of that taking into account with extraordinary timeliness and sensitivity of criticality. And then if we screw up, we harm someone. And so the problem is, is very, very difficult. And so it took a long time to actually really learn all the variables, or at least the majority of the variables in the equation, and then actually understand how you can um, manipulate those variables. You know, how do you actually increase, you know, your out of, we call it like as an example, out of the gate time. How do you make sure that the time at the start of shift is very predictable so that your first transport of a shift uh, you can get to with a high degree of accuracy and on time. Um, all of these things, you know, you have to take time to learn, and there's a lot of operational components to it. So when we started, we originally kind of thought about us as more of a you know, kind of a ride sharing for ambulance, if you will. And the you know we quickly learned that that's not you know that's that's a little bit too simplistic of an approach. You know, a ride sharing application is not only very easy from a resource allocation perspective, or relatively speaking, it's easy. It's also easy from a reimbursement perspective. It's just a credit card. You know, we have in our system right now over 900 different payers, insurance companies, governmental payers. Um, you know, it's, it's all across the board. And, and so, you know, a lot of the complexity, once we finally got, I think, good in the first couple of years, of transporting people with a high degree of both efficiency, accuracy, and uh, compliance. We then had to figure out how do we actually make money? How do we actually get paid from the 900 different payers, many of which really don't want to pay us. They are incentivized to some degree to not pay their vendors. And then so we had to figure that out. And, and we actually have a whole um, you know, a learning system that is built around payers and denials and how do we actually ensure that we're, we're kind of, we are as well equipped and prepared when we submit the claim to the insurance company as we possibly can. And that's not as exciting as being able to use, you know, amazing machine learning algorithms to route, you know, to route your, your medical care. But boy, is it just as important from us to stay alive as a company. Um, and it's very, very complex, especially in places like California, where you have you know, a, a whole layer of medical groups that sit in between you and the payer. And so, you know, the, the evolution started from getting good, you know, learning that we were more than just a ride sharing ambulance application to getting really good at very, very complex medical care and medical transportation, then moving into how do we actually get paid and then advancing that 
to where we're at the stage we're at right now, which for me is actually some of the most exciting parts, uh, the most exciting time of our company. What else can our EMTs and paramedics do other than transport? And we started back in um, April, right? Late, late March, early April, where all of our EMTs and paramedics uh, began performing tests, uh, COVID testing. And so now, you know, they've done almost 200,000 COVID tests in the last couple of months. And, uh, and that's just the ability for us to use the technology and the field operational expertise that we have. And, you know, we've got over, you know, 1,500 EMTs and paramedics. How can we use them to help society um, in any way possible and constantly leveraging that massive network of medical professionals to help. And that's, that's the root of the company is, is figuring out how we can provide helpful and necessary medical services in such a way that makes our, our staff really have high earning potential um, by delivering quality service, really quality service. And all of that is only possible uh, on top of a technology. If we were to remove the tech, you would remove the efficiency, you would remove the margin, you wouldn't be able to pay your people, and then they would start performing poor service. I'm so glad you brought this up, in particular, the amazing work that you and everyone at Ambulance was able to do during COVID, because obviously that impacted your day-to-day business dramatically, but the way in which you guys were able to pivot and not just pivot to, to survive, but you guys had an incredible impact on not just New York City, but everywhere that you operated with, with bringing COVID tests accessible. So it's, it's amazing. Uh, but equally, you just touched on the impact of AI and technology and how it can help society in a positive way. You and I spoke about it previously about there's so many algorithms out there that are pushing divisive content and figuring out, you know, more, more uh, efficient ways to sell you things. But, but you've got a really good take on, on what technology can do to, to impact society. You've given us an insight of the here and now, but how do you see that progress over time, particularly within, within healthcare? There's so many ways by which it can apply. I think the most important thing is to look at it from the perspective of what is the value being added and not necessarily what is the statement that I can make. Sometimes we use from AI as a buzzword in order to just say, well, I have artificial intelligence um, in ways that seems, I guess, a little bit more sexy. Uh, And that usually results in something that is more of a sell. You know, for us, as an example, using AI to come up with a time estimation on transport doesn't sound that sexy, but it solves an amazingly difficult problem. If you do the same thing in healthcare by which, let's say that you have someone who is a part of a managed care organization, and if you were to be able to take all of the data points of that individual, not only monitoring devices that they might be wearing, but all of their healthcare records, and, and from that, you could use AI to do predictive analysis for upcoming treatments or treatments that they needed for them to, to, to get ahead of the curve um, of needs of care that they may have. The value of that is truly astonishing because by having that in place, you not only can re- greatly reduce the cost of healthcare because preempt. Uh, Preventative healthcare is significantly less expensive than reactive healthcare. 
and and if you have the ability to analyze that earlier and to see the okay let's say as an example by um, using a monitoring system that you have on an individual you can determine that somebody has a higher likelihood of having a BRCA gene and so they have a much higher likelihood of having breast cancer right and so in determining that they have a higher likelihood of having breast cancer and determining that early um, you could save hundreds of thousands of dollars on potential cancer treatment that may be needed um, across the board, whether they're insured or uninsured, doesn't matter, by just them simply getting on a regular um, exam cycle um, for um, uh, getting a regular breast exam cycle. The examples are, are really, really copious, but the key is to just take down one very simple and oftentimes traditional problem. Very simple problem. Let's just take this morning. I, you know, I took in to get to my office here, the subway in New York City, all right? I take the subway almost every day and you know it's extremely extremely unreliable when it comes to time zones and and you know i i lived for a little time my previous company was based in Befikon in, in switzerland and so every day i would take the train there and i also knew uh that they were on time almost to the minute and so you see the dichotomy and why is it well, you could take something as simple as just the, the accuracy of time by which the subway car is going to arrive. And you could apply AI onto that to put in a multifaceted amount of equations, everything from the density of people to the heat of that day towards, you know, there's probably a, a million different variables that I'm not even thinking about, but you could factor that in to at least come up with an accurate estimate, which means you could then staff accordingly and then people can plan accordingly. And then people can get to and from their jobs more efficiently. Thus they have more time to either work, which means they're producing for society, or more time to be at home with their family and so they're producing for themselves. And in either case, applying AI to something that seems innocuous and maybe doesn't seem as sexy as being able to, to do self-driving cars or you know, a fully autonomous airplane, you know, but just doing something like, how can I give an accurate estimation for when the subway car will arrive? Could have a multitude of positive impact on millions of people's lives here in just New York City. Those examples are all over the place. Pretty much any time you run into a situation and the situation is one that you feel is, it is not done well. It is not done well and you have a municipal service. You have the ability to dissect that problem down to its core data, and then throw that into a uh, some sort of learning system to come up with better prediction of what the outcome will be. And having accuracy in whatever your prediction is in any problem allows you to plan accordingly, even if the prediction that you have is a terribly extreme result. Let's say that you did the, the New York subway one, and it came in that said, well, even though based on the laws of physics, the train car can get and should be there within 30 minutes of leaving its starting station. And so that's when I think the arrival time will be. It's actually gonna take an hour because there's so many delays for so many reasons that you have in New York City. Okay, you at least know with high degree of confidence that it's gonna be an hour and you staff and plan before and after accordingly and people then staff their lives accordingly. And so the application of AI I think is most interesting in the problems that seem the least interesting.
when I hear you say that as somebody who lives in New York City, I'm visualizing all the all the variables that that impact an A to B journey, uh, and then which brings to bear how vital a service ambulance are providing when you think of how important those A to B connections are for a patient care and patient lives, and it's refreshing and motivating to hear what ambulance are doing in, in making massive strides for improvements. Uh, as somebody who is uh, family members who are in frontline service, I know how difficult and challenging those roles are. And I know from speaking to you many times over how passionate you are about making a positive impact in this space. And clearly you're doing something well so far. Uh, final question for you, Anthony, before we let you go. Um, looking ahead, obviously you guys have experienced incredible growth lots of success. What, are, what do the next 18 months to 24 months look like for you from a growth perspective? And, and looking at the, the technology and the data, the types of people that you're going to need to bring in to, to continue to support this growth? It is a very, very difficult problem. And I think that what the phase that healthcare is moving into is going to be a lot more service-based. Um, so it's going to be the service being provided as opposed to the length of stay or the length of acuity being managed. It's a very different, I know it sounds nuanced and for people that aren't in the healthcare space, they might not understand that, but it's gonna move towards, I pay specifically for this one thing, this one observation, this one procedure, as opposed to I pay for a total amount of care package. And as that direct, service goes, I think you're also going to start to see, and you already see right now, COVID, I think really pushed it forward, a lot more point of care service. So whether it's the care coming to the home, the care coming to the nursing home directly. So the patient usually goes from the nursing home to the hospital for a procedure, for a test, for a, um, uh, a uh, whatever appointment that they might have for the outpatient services. And I think that that is going to move significantly towards the medical observation procedure coming to them. Not in all cases, of course, you're not gonna be doing heart surgery in a, in a nursing home or at someone's house, uh, but I think it's gonna go in that direction. We uh, will probably, you know, like we always do, we'll be here to help, we'll be here to assist. We have a lot of medical trained professionals that are all around the country and are very mobile because we are a transportation company and we are a, a, an ambulance company. And I think that the next uh, 18 months, we're going to see that ambulance, because using its resources in a much, much broader spectrum than just simply transporting patients. That is really where I see that holding. And, you know, as far as if there's anyone listening that is, interested in working in this field if you're good at what you do or, or you really want to become good at what you do you can go multiple different routes one is that you can go and you can make probably a lot of money and you can do so either in finance or maybe in marketing ad spend um, you can work in a number of those companies and there's nothing against that for my previous company it was a financial company i think i probably came here to save my soul um, and the the alternative though, the alternative is that you can use the gift that you were given. And by gift that you were given, I mean the gift of a real critical intelligence, 
of being and having an upbringing by which critical thinking and hard work uh, and, and even access to computer science was, uh, was, was granted to you. Probably didn't choose it. Either you had, like myself, parents, or you had a neighborhood, or you were simply in an environment which allowed for that to happen. So the question I ask is, will you use the gift which was given to you, the gift of, of intelligence, of being healthy, of having an upbringing that allowed for you to have education, especially in spaces as impactful as computer science. Will you use that gift for purely benefiting yourself by finding a high, high earning, high wage job? Or will you go work at a company, ambulance or not, go work at a company that can take the skills that you have and really works to give back? It just tries to figure out how that gift can keep on giving. As cliche as that might sound, it's very, very applicable to intelligence and knowledge. You know, knowledge is a gift that we are given. We can choose to use it only to benefit ourselves or to be a seed by which we grow. And, and, and that, that growth can give fruit to many, many other people. Ambulance, I think, tries to do that. We're not perfect. We've made our fair share of mistakes and probably will continue to but our motivations have always been to give back and to help. And I encourage anyone who's listening, if you would like to you know, apply to ambulance, great. Um, but if you have those skills and you think that maybe, maybe you, you're just not entirely uh, self-made, maybe there were some other people that helped you get to where you are today. Um, find a company that genuinely is trying to make a positive impact on society. That's one of the best ways I've heard summarize having a mission, having a passion and, and using AI and technology for good. So I really appreciate your take on that, Anthony. Uh, thank you so much for talking to us about Ambulance um, as an organization, how you're utilizing data science and AI um, to impact healthcare. Uh, we're excited to see what you guys can accomplish in the future. Thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate Appreciate you having me on. AI in Action is brought to you by Aldus International, covering your business's staffing, consulting, and networking needs. Aldus offer an exec search program. Aldus can help you discover how data science and AI can transform your company. With our unrivaled network of C-suite executives and senior AI professionals, we offer retained search services across the US and Europe. Get the Aldus advantage. Become a member of the Aldus community and enjoy some of the following. AI meetups. Once a month, our community gathers to listen to some of the leading experts in the world of data science and AI. Our speakers come from all over the world, including Dublin, Boston, and Frankfurt. We also have our AI mentors. Our experts will provide mentoring to all its members. And don't forget our AI in Action podcast. Each week, we have guests from all over the world talking us through their education, career, and more. Become an Aldus member and get the Aldus advantage. For more information and to sign up for our newsletter, log on to www.aldus.com. Com. That's www.aldus.com. Aldus International, empowering through AI.